Greetings and salutations, one and all. Welcome to today's episode of Risk and Reels. I am your host, Jeffrey Wheatman. And today I am joined by a relatively new friend, Ange Brown. Um, Ange and I met via LinkedIn, which is, I think, an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, you had posted something about some something that was going on at work professionally, and I kind of jumped in and said, you know, if there's anything I can do to, to help. And we've just kind of built a, a relationship, and I, I love that. I think more and more of our guests are actually people I've never met in person. Hopefully, we will get to meet in person at some point next year now that people are traveling to, to more conferences. So, Ange, say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself. Don't go into too much detail because we're actually going to talk about your journey during the actual podcast. So uh, say hi and uh, give us a little bit of your background and where you came from. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Ange Brown. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, it is great to be on your podcast. And thank you again. I think you I think you looked over my resume, which was super cool for someone who's never met each other before. So thank you. Um, I am uh, with TCM Security. So currently I'm I'm leading one of the teams over there. Um, and uh, big, big geek, big nerd, uh, just like we were talking about before we got started. Um, and aside from that, I'm really into uh, astrophotography, photography in general, and just love to travel. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, so astrophotography, we, we should talk. I, I've, always, I've always debated taking some time off from work and actually uh, becoming more polished in my photography. Uh, a, a friend and former colleague of mine, Craig Lawson, he's a big astrophotographer. I'll actually introduce you guys on LinkedIn. He's, he's in, um, I think, Melbourne, uh, down in Australia, but he's posted some really, really cool pictures, and I would actually love to see some of your stuff. Um, so what, it, what does TCM do? What do you guys do with there, over there? So um, TCM Security is a, a training platform, got started, it stands for the Cyber Mentor. Um, and so it got started as a pen testing training platform. Um, the goal that uh, was set about by our uh, founder Heath was that it would be reasonable cost. Um, and we produce a lot of content for free, which is super cool. But the company also focuses, focuses on offensive security. So we do a lot of red teaming engagements, which it's fourth quarter right now. So the team is incredibly busy, like every other team in the industry right now. So yeah, it's, a, it's right. A everyone, everyone's trying to, everyone's trying to blow through their budgets before the end of the year. And, and pen testing is, uh, is a it's good crazy. thing. If yeah. You want to blow your budget you, you, so Hey, hit me up on LinkedIn. You, you used an interesting term, offensive security. I, I've been told by people in the business that all security people are offensive, but you know, who knows? I would agree to that. <laughs> five years in the community, I think everyone I've met is just a little offensive, even if they're hardcore blue team. Yes. Well, we, we talked just before we started recording uh, with our producer, uh, Jess Lavery, who is sitting in the background, uh, about sort of the term like geek versus nerd and which is yes. more uh, appropriate and sort of what do you, what do you kind of call people. Um, so I, I, refer to, I refer to myself as a geek. Because uh, I don't know, I feel like nerds is more pejorative. But uh, you know what? I'm a big fan of call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, and I am good with that. And, Listen, uh, yeah, I think there's is, this life is a gorgeous place. You know, whatever you want to say about yourself is a is okay by me. Just there's this uh, southern saying that says, uh, "Call me, call me whatever, but don't call me late to dinner." And that's kind of how I live my life. Just don't call me late today. All right. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I think people focus too much on what everybody else wants to be called. But anyway. Um, all right. So um, 
movie question. Um, so here, here's a, here's a, a good movie question. So um, let's talk about a movie that's a journey movie, uh, you know, maybe follow someone through a part of their life or, or some, you know, I'm a big fan of the hero's journey. I talk about that all the time when I talk to people at storytelling. So what's, what's your favorite journey movie and why? That's a great question. Um, so a couple come to my mind and, um, I love, uh, Patrick Swayze. I've like always been a fan of, of his movies. Um, and there's a movie called Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmar. I don't know if you've seen it before. Um, I love that movie. Wor worst title ever, but great flick. Awful title. Uh, awful title. <laughs> Um, but essentially it's, it's this, uh, story of these three drag queens that, you know, have this experience where they are, you know, trying to get to LA and they're trying to like win this big competition. P.S. like Robin Williams is in it. Like it's got a fantastic cast, right? But Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo and, uh, Wesley Snipes play the drag queens and they, they get stuck in a small town. It's, it's a great story that also sort of walks somebody through, how I think their own acceptance, which is a big part in, in my life has been, you know, self-acceptance of really a little bit being this nerd and trying to figure out what I want to do for work. And, um, you know, my, my backstory is that I, I've spent about 20 years in customer service. I started working when I was 15 and, and it took me a while to figure out that I wanted to be in technology. Um, was always great at it and just never considered it as a career until, you know, I finally it landed, right? And so that's probably one of my, my favorite, uh, story, story movies. And at the end of it, you know, it's, it's just hilarious, but at the end of it, the entire town falls in love with them and accepts them for who they are and stuff like that. So it's a really good, really good, uh, uh, plot line there. The other one I think is probably like, um, I don't know. I also love the bird cage that that's really great. Another Robin Williams movie. Um, he he and uh and and Nathan Lane they are hilarious in that Nail movie. It. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like like rolling on the floor missing stuff cuz it's so funny. Yeah. So absolutely. I love I love those I love those choices. So um I want to talk a little bit about your 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 move from customer service into cyber but so I'm going to so my my favorite journey movie is is um an interesting one. It's called. It's a movie called Big Fish, directed by Tim Burton. Um, and the thing I love about it is it's actually a journey about a journey, right? So if you haven't seen it, uh, the main character is Ewan McGregor. Uh, his father is a lifelong um, traveling salesman who is a big storyteller, and he always believed he was full of it. And then he actually sort of traced his life and realized that there was some exaggeration. But it was really not, not what he thought. He, he you know, because everyone knows, right? How big a fish? Uh, I caught a fish this big, and I just, I just thought it was such a, a lovely story. I know it's somewhat polarizing. I think a lot of people don't love it, but I, I just thought it was such a good, such a good journey movie, and and just how he he went at the beginning from not really liking his father to actually having a lot of respect and understanding his father did so much good for so many people. And I, I just, I just love that. Yeah. So, I think okay. another Patrick Swayze movie that I, I love is ghost and it, but I, my initial response there was like, yeah, I'm not sure about talking about death because I think a big part of ghost is, 
Patrick Swayze, like the characters coming to terms with his death, essentially, right? There's there's other stories in there, but no, I I mean, I think uh, Big Fish is a gorgeous movie and it, it does sort of take you through those like conversations around, uh, you know, that process, that end process. So yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. And, yeah, and I also, I, the other thing I really liked about that movie is I think we all, as children, we all, well, not all, but most people think their parents are these infallible, perfect beings. And as we get older, we recognize, you know what, they make mistakes just like we do. And hopefully they learn from from their mistakes. And um, uh, Mark Twain has a great quote. I, I always butcher a little bit, but he said, when I was 13, I could not believe how ignorant my father was. And when I turned 17, I was shocked to find out how much he had learned in four years. And I just think it's, my dad used to throw that at me when I used to tell him what a schmuck he was. And, and I look back and my dad is actually one of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, and he didn't, doesn't have a college degree, but, but see now, now I got to get him to listen to the podcast because I said nice stuff about him. Uh, but I, yeah, I just think uh, there's so much there. So, all right, that's awesome. So for those of you out there that have not seen those movies, you should definitely check them out. Oh, yeah. Um, so now, so now let's talk about your, your career journey. Cause I think it's really interesting. Um, I also did not start off in technology, but the, this isn't going to be about me, but I, I'm interested to hear, you know, so you mentioned you did some customer service. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you got started and, and what made you decide to jump into this crazy cyber pool that we live in together. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I started working when I was 15, so I'm actually hitting two decades of work this year, which is, um, which is interesting because my my time has like gone through 2008 and the downturn there and you know just sort of watching all of that happen and uh, my first job was on a sailboat so anyone that can OSINT uh, me on a cover of a magazine here in Texas good job on you I've talked about it before so maybe it's a fun OSINT challenge um, and then it went to to other customer service uh, roles I spent a good amount of time at Starbucks um, and then finally landed a role at Apple retail. Um, and that's really where things leveled out, uh, was making enough money to support myself. And, uh, at a certain point there, a couple of years in, I was actually making enough money that had enough money saved to go back to school and then use Apple's tuition reimbursement to pay off the, you know, the loan that I had small loan I had taken and just keep rolling that. So, um, it was at Apple retail that I met, uh, somebody quite high up in cybersecurity at Apple. And really, it'll be a moment that I've talked about um, before, but it'll be a moment that I talk about again and again, because she really took a moment, you know, to have a conversation with me about what I was trying to do for work, what I was trying to do for a living. And I told her, you know, I, what I know is I don't want to do the same thing every single day. And um, she just kind of like looked at me and said, I think you'd be great in cyber. And it was that night that I went home. I was, I was out in Houston and I put my first cybersecurity podcast on. So hopefully someone is thinking about doing cybersecurity and they're listening to this. Um, and I, I just literally started that day and just kept ingesting information from that moment on. Um, so I went to you. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, I think I, uh, mentorship is something that I am big on and that's sort of what's, what sort of pushed me to reach out to you back months and months back. But so, um, so you listen to some podcasts. I, I'm always interested to hear how people sort of learn. Everyone learns differently. I mean, I 
you know, I, I learned by reading stuff and trying and breaking and, and all that stuff. So how, how did you, so to say, Hey, I want to be a cyber person is awesome. And more people should say it, but what did you do to get there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, um, I, I started from foundations. Um, so I, I knew at Apple that I had some technical abilities to do troubleshooting, but I didn't have enough experience in a couple of the really foundational areas. And so I took a beat and learned some more foundational information, uh, finished my associate's degree at that time, and then decided that I wanted to go to UTSA. The coursework at UTSA was great. I learned a lot, but I, on the side, what I was doing is, um, networking in the community. I was starting to get, you know, kind of a creeper status on LinkedIn, following people, doing things like that, and realized really quickly that I would need experience, hands-on experience in the industry in order to understand what I was doing. Um, and so I went straight for an internship. I'm not going to lie. I, I knew I was going to have a heavy workload um, and said, I, I need to add on more hours and they need to be in an internship capacity. And it was through that internship that I actually was given my first role in cyber. I just, I think I just annoyed them into giving me a job and, and got good at something and then just built a team and built a product out and, and just uh, ended up managing that team, which is super cool. So the, awesome. the how did you learn was hands-on experience for me. Everybody learns differently and there's made, there's three or four major ways to learn. So I would say another first step is to actually identify how you learn. If you don't know how you learn, you're you're not optimizing that time spent. So that's a great point, and I think most people don't go through that self awareness, right? Yeah. Um, so how how do you suggest people figure out what their learning styles are? Because you're not no one's taught that when you're growing up, right? Right. No, you when you're growing up, you're supposed to learn from a chalkboard. I don't know if they use chalkboards anymore, um, but you're supposed to learn from instruction from a teacher. Right. And, and they give you a couple things to do for homework. And then you're supposed to understand the topic. And and we know people don't learn like that. So I would Google it. There are a couple of really great um, online tests to take uh, and just take a couple of them and find the median thing there. Um, I'm. Uh, notoriously a multimodal learner, learner, which means I have to read something, I have to see it done, and I have to do it. And then once I do it in, in all three different ways, like then it's pretty cemented in. Um, but some people can just read and, and take that information. And, and But it's good to know because you don't want to waste time. Um, and, and really, that's where some of the feelings of imposter syndrome come in, is when you're trying to learn something in a way that you don't pick up naturally anyway. So um, it's good time spent. Take you 15 minutes. So I'm going to pull on that thread a little bit because I, I think actually you just hit on something super, super important around sort of learning how, how you learn. Um, one of the things that I've experienced and I do my best to smash this, there's a tremendous amount of gatekeeping in what we do, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. You like I've seen like, you know, I'm on the cybersecurity group in Reddit and people ask questions and RTFM, go Google it. You know what? You could answer that question and help people. And 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 I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually promote um, your your um, discord channel because it's super, super cool. But I think that is something we need to stop, right? And that actually is part of what we started talking about very initially when we first started going back and forth. You had a situation and I don't want to I don't want to sort of 
breach any of your privacy, but you had a situation that there was some gatekeeping going on there, right? And and I think that from a diversity perspective, uh, from from gender, from from sexuality, from from race, from culture, from background, you know, you mentioned you're from Texas. There are cultural things about growing up and working in that kind of an environment versus where I grew up in New York City, right? And, you know, now I'm in Florida and 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 I think there there's some interesting things there. But let's let's talk a little bit about that that gatekeeping concept because you're now in a position where you are viewed as a voice, as an important voice. How do you sort of push past that gatekeeping and how do you keep other people from doing it? You know, Hey, you stop that, right? How do you do that? So you cannot control anybody else. First and foremost, if you have found yourself around a bunch of gatekeepers, the stoic in me says, uh, your power is to change that literally remove yourself from that, from that situation, find another place. The Discord server, I made that Discord server because I didn't find a place like that. I was looking for a group of people that, you know, you you wouldn't just walk into the space and assume that everyone was male, right? So I created a, a place that there are a lot of women, there are a lot of queer people, there are a lot of people of diverse backgrounds, and we don't make assumptions out of each other. You know, there's not, you know, thank you, sir, isn't something that's said when someone responds to a, a question, right? And um, so what I would say is you're going to find gatekeepers and frankly, gatekeepers are, are really important to learn things from as well. So there's kind of two lines of thought happening in my brain. One, you know, some of the people that do gatekeeping in this industry also hold information that is really, really critical to get out of them. Right. We're talking really specific technical knowledge, um, and, uh, or, you know, technical troubleshooting. And, and I think there are people in this industry that it's worthwhile to continue going to, to, to get some of that information out of, you know, think about individuals that have obscure hardware hacking knowledge and things like that. Right. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're partnered with somebody in a mentorship capacity and they're, they've got the, the men, the gatekeeping vibe, one is that it's your responsibility to learn how to ask better questions. If you are able to put together questions and push back and come back to that person and persist and keep, keep going in the way that they want you to ask questions, um, you will oftentimes get good information out of them. If that is not an option, and if you're not able to, to kind of socially engineer this person into mentoring you, providing you a little bit of support, the other option is to build your own tribe, make your own community. And that's truly and honestly, I think sometimes the better option anyway. Um, I'm fortunate now to be surrounded by, you know, hundreds of people in, in these Discord servers that um, have my back, that are willing to teach me whatever. They're not going to, they're not going to hold me you know, in a space or, or tell me I shouldn't be there. Um, and you will potentially hear that as you're coming into the industry. So the decision is to not take that as an answer, truly. All right. I, I love that. That's a, that's a toughness that not everyone has. Uh, so yeah, smashing, smashing the gates. And I like the kind of build your own tribe thing. Um, I do want to caution people though, is you, even when you build your tribes, you still need diversity within that tribe, right? You don't, you don't want these echo chambers because I think, it also, first of all, you don't learn that way. Um, you know, we know there are different ways to, 
to do all those things. So that's awesome. Um, so I want to I want to backtrack a little bit because you talked a little bit about TCM and how you guys do training. How how do you deal with that sort of multimodal thing, right? Some people want to hear it, some people want to read it, some people want to see it, and everybody needs to do it. So how do you how are you working with your customers to deal with people that don't necessarily have the same sort of hooks for learning? Right. Um, and me being a part of the support group at the company, it's a really appropriate question, Jeffrey. Like, honestly, we try very much to challenge people um, in specific ways to, to ask good questions again, right? Um, to come to their mentors uh, and, you know, have kind of a, a thought behind what they're asking. Um, Two, there's a multiple ways to learn, especially from TCM, there's multiple ways to learn what's going on. Um, uh, the team will jump into DMs with people if they're having a hard time getting things set up. Uh, and we do video training and we're, you know, we've got walkthroughs and things like that. So um, the, I think, honestly, the offering at TCM is, is incredibly strong and they're just making it stronger as they go, um, especially with the certifications. It's all hands-on. So um, and they're at a good price point. So it's a couple hundred bucks for a certification and you're going to learn a lot out of that. Right. So, so I think the, the thing that we really work on is how do we teach people what's, how to do these pen tests logically or how to do, how to practically check out malware, uh, samples. Um, and, and so there's a couple good ways to do that. Um, I think the one thing that I would love to see even more of is um, a catering to our international audience. And so one of the things that we're, we've been talking about in the background is like, how, how do we get that done? Uh, right. It's not as easy as it sounds, but maybe with AI, it'll fix everything, huh? Well, you know, you, you make a great point, And I think it comes back to the whole diversity thing, right? Um, you know, we, when I was in my, my previous role, we used to advise vendors that were international and we would always tell them, you need to hire someone local to do your translation because it's not just about, well, this word equals that word. It's about how you organize your things and how, how people learn. And some of that's going to be going to be cultural. So I love to I love to hear that. And you and I should take it offline and talk a little bit more about maybe how I can um, can help you guys over over at TCM, because I think that, you know, we keep hearing that there's this huge gap in in human capital. And I, I think to a certain extent that is true, but I also think part of it is, uh, is a failing on the hiring organization side. They're looking for a particular person, a particular type of person. Um, I know our, our audience can't see, but I see you're wearing a, a hackers have something shirt. I don't know what it says on the, on the bottom there, but, but, you know, hackers and, and I, you know, I, I've been going to DEF CON on and off for like the last 20 years. And um, I always bring my daughter a hacker shirt and she would go to school and people go, ooh, hackers are bad. And I would say, no, what do you tell them? Hackers are people who get systems to do stuff that people didn't anticipate. That is what a hacker does, right? They break stuff not necessarily to be malicious. And I think that's an important thing. And we see hiring managers won't hire quote unquote former hackers. They're looking for people with traditional backgrounds, with traditional culture. And, and I don't think that works. And, you know, right off the bat, job descriptions are typically biased in a lot of different ways. And you cut down your, um, 
your your labor pool significantly when you assume you know what people are bringing to the to the table. So, um, what do you what do you see as your next step? Right, you you've been in in the cyber for five years, I think you said. What do you what do you see as next? Do you see yourself continuing to train? Do you want to get more more hands on down in the nitty gritty, offensive, defensive? Yeah, so I've spent several years in defer already um, and knew, honestly, if we're, we're honest with each other, I knew about six months in that I wasn't really interested in incident response, but kept at it. Um, I'm in this industry to help people. I'm in this industry to protect, you know, businesses. Um, and, and the way to really do that is to, to spend a little bit more time, um, you know, headed towards this this purple team, this red team idea. For me, I would much rather prefer to, um, you know, walk into the offensive security side and learn that um, and just continue building up, you know, my understanding of, of how to protect businesses as we go. So um, fortunately, I've got a, a decent brain for hacking um, and been talking with Heath and leadership at TCM Security. And so it looks like here really shortly, I'll actually have an opportunity. So I'm spending time doing some pen tests now and uh, learning that. I do think potentially some content creation is on the horizon just um, because there's some things that I want to build and create. So I don't want to talk too much about that, but I am really no, excited. No, no, don't. You're working on there. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm a big nerd about OSINT. I'm a big nerd about um, enumeration and being able to find things. So that's one of my strongest skill sets. So being able to, to lean on those things and grow them out is really my, my key interest. I see myself staying technical. Um, I see myself continuing to find ways to be in leadership positions. I just, I think I'm built that way. Um, and so much else aside from that, it's just kind of doing as much as I can every day to see where it organically goes. Um, for me, I, I mean, I have goals. I've got five year, 15 year and 20 year goals. Um, and those are carefully planned out, but some of the most success that I've seen in my career so far has just been the willingness to like say yes when people ask me if I want to do something. So as much as I like to plan things out, I'm also just one of those people that's like, you know, if something uh, really excellent comes along, even this podcast, for instance, right? You know, I just want to say yes to those things. All right, I love that. I I think um, I actually put up a, a Focus Friday. I don't know when this episode is going to air, but but Focus Friday really was about reaching, right? It was about saying yes. I, and you mentioned earlier imposter syndrome. I don't think I know anyone in our industry, in our discipline that does not have some imposter syndrome. Uh, and and I, I always joke, not joke, but I, I've been underqualified for every job I've ever had. And I'm, I'm a big believer in figure out how to do the job before the people that hired you figured out you didn't know how to do the job when you got hired. And that, that's been you know, I think, uh, my, my career and I'm, I'm just going to give you, so as someone who's been around a little bit longer than you, I'm going to just give you just a little quote. If you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are. So it's great that you have five, 10 to 15 year plans, but it sounds like you're also super flexible. And I always tell people, you know, if you find something interesting, pull, pull the thread a little bit and, and, it's it's different now than when I started. When I first started in security 30 years ago, you could really know how to do everything. And that is just not a thing now. So do you think you need to go go down the road? And and I love 
I love the fact that you mentioned you want to stay technical, but also be in a leadership role. And I don't know if you chose the word leadership over management on purpose, but I think that's super important. There, The world is filled with managers and not enough leaders. So I, I love the fact that you see yourself as a leader. And for those of you that are not following Ange on LinkedIn, you absolutely should. She posts great stuff. And more than that, you the level of engagement and the level of caring is super, super clear. And I think people tend to get busy and it's, I think, hard to, to do that. So I love to, I love to, to hear that, uh, that stuff. So I just, I also, I want to go back a little bit because you used a couple of terms that not all of our, our viewers may be familiar. So you talked about red team and purple team and blue team. So yep. for folks out there, maybe that are not technical, um, what, what are those? Yep, super clean. So your your blue team is oftentimes your protectors in the cyber realm. Uh, your red team are those that are tasked with attacking um, offensive security. Think things like pen testers. Um, red teaming is typically a little bit more involved, but we could get in, into the weeds on that. And then purple team is really hashtag purple team is the future, right? Um, I think you know purple team is a mixture of both. It in order to really really. Um, cater to your organization's needs. It's good to know how you're being attacked, how those attacks work. Really good to be able to do those yourself and then also defend. And so that purple team is the per perfect kind of mix there in the middle. Um, so yeah, that's that's the most simple way. Okay. There's, I think the there's a little bit of argument in the industry here and there, you know, is, is digital forensics and incident response blue team? I don't know. It could be its own thing, right? But, you know, that's that's the evolve, evolving yeah. of the industry that happens. Well, I'll tell you, one of the, one of the things that we have seen at Black Kite is, is that there's been a little bit of a shift in focus toward response. And I mean, I've been saying this for a long time, right? You're going to get hacked. What do you do when that happens? And I don't think enough people are, are focusing on that. So I love, I love the fact that you, that you brought that up. And then you also used a, a term OSINT that yeah. not everyone may be familiar with. So what is that? Open source intelligence. So OSINT is the, uh, the skill set of being able to find things that are readily available, but maybe not so easy to find. Okay. So are you, are you doing stuff on the dark web or are you staying sort of on the, on the clean side there? You know, whatever. <laughs> All right, you don't have to answer the question. I understand. We we want to we want to maintain our our reputation. All right, I I agree. Uh, I had a, a conversation with a, a buddy of mine, and uh, we were just talking about that whole dark web thing. And he was I obviously won't share the vendor, but he was talking to some some threat hunters for a vendor that you would all know, and he, they were talking about personas on the dark web, and they went, well, how, "How do you do that?" And he kind of went, well, if you're not doing that, you're not doing threat intel. Um, you know, that's a big chunk of yeah. what we're gathering, right? We have all this dark web stuff because yeah. you need to know what the bad actors are doing. Otherwise, you will get caught flat-footed. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with someone literally just yesterday, and they said, yeah, well, you know, we've got this new risk person. And this risk person came into this meeting, and they said, you know, I, I went on the dark web, and I looked up this organization, and let me tell you, there's nothing on the dark web about you guys. And I was like, oh, y'all need a new risk person. Because <laughs> like, that's, no, that's not, not, there's no way. Yeah, there, <laughs> there is just yeah, no, no way. Intelligence wise, if you're going to be, um, if you're going to be doing anything with like 
uh, dark web intelligence specifically, if you don't have boots on the ground or if the product that you're using doesn't have boots on the ground, I don't really know what you're doing. I think you're scraping, scraping databases, which is fine, but it's not incredibly proactive. Right. Yeah. And, and I think some of that stuff is also going to get replaced. You know, we could have the AI discussion. It comes up pretty much on every, every discussion, but I think there are a lot of very mechanical things out there that AI can absolutely facilitate, which, and I know everyone's worried about losing their jobs, but I'm a big believer. I think AI is going to make people better at their jobs. Um, I think we do need to be mindful of AI replacing all the junior people and then having then where do you get your mid and senior people from? Um, but what are your thoughts, if any, on like where, where does AI and ML and all these things, where does that fit in in what you guys are doing uh, either at TCM security or just in your own kind of research and fun stuff? I think the, the really great thing about um, really great thing about TCM security specifically is that, um, like tools are tools, right? So machine learning AI, like it is just another tool in the tool belt. And, um, TCM actually even has videos on how to, you know, write a, write a script using machine learning or how to write a, a blog post using chat GPT. Um, so I, I personally think it's another tool. Um, and I certainly use whatever I can, you know, I was early adopter on mid journey, uh, just to kind of see and challenge the the mechanism that's there. Um, I'm I'm also of course concerned. I think everyone should be concerned about um, automating too much away and trusting it a little bit too much. Uh, but me to you, like the threat actors are going to use AI, so we might as well understand how it all works uh, because they're going to use whatever is at their disposal a th a thousand percent. Um, so we knew immediately that, um, especially in the business email compromise space, it was immediately obvious that, um, you know, threat actors were making better phishing emails. Romance scammers are now making better prompts to, to scam people, um, which we know there's a conduit between romance scams and business email compromise. It's how money is moved out of the country. So um, if the threat actors are going to use it, we better be using it. Is the TLDR there? Yeah. I, I always tell people, I'm like the bad, bad actors, they're using all the tools you are and then some. That's and I think that's uh, a key thing. All right. So this has been a ton of fun. I'm going to do a little bit of a recap and then I'm going to kick it to you for any final thoughts on looking at my, my notes here. So, um, okay. So you, you mentioned earlier on the concept of mentorship and I'm, I'm a really, really big fan of mentoring, uh, there, there's a group out there, Cybersity, uh, that does great stuff in the DEI space. And I'm actually doing a mentorship program there with with them. And I think mentorship is really important. Um, I, I think you, you said something really interesting about sort of starting with the foundations. And I think that's really important because, as we know, entry-level security jobs are not entry-level jobs. They require some understanding either of technology, networking, risk, applications something. You're not just going to walk in with a, a, a certificate and go get a, a great job. So I think learning the foundations, I think, is really, really a great thing for people to talk about. And I know it's not sort of super sexy and exciting, but it's really important for you to be able to have the right conversations with the right people. Um, I, I want to touch on you. You talked about internships, and, and I think that's great. And then I, I paraphrase what you said, but I wrote badgering works. Right. 
badgering people, give me something to do, let me learn, challenge me, push me, hold me accountable. I think that's really important. I think if you just sit and wait, you'll be sitting and waiting and, and people are going to be out there and you got to push. And, and especially from the diversity perspective, you want to push, you want to push the envelopes, which then sort of moved into the whole concept we talked about, which gatekeeping, right? I, I love what you talked about, which is smash those gates. Don't let those people get away with it. And, and I see this as someone who's been around for a while and I push people like, why you could have answered that question in the same amount of time that it told you go go Google uh, or you know RTFM or you know there's a great website uh, let me Google this for you if you've ever seen that and it's super passive aggressive so I do use it at times but I think don't don't let gatekeepers do that right let's let's hold them accountable especially for those that are uh, you know known organization, you known people in our discipline. Uh, I'm sure you know Jason Street. Jason's a buddy of mine. Jason is the antithesis of a gatekeeper. Jason will help you with anything. And I love that guy for that. Um, yeah. And then um, build your own tribe. Ask good questions. Be persistent. And I think all of those are, are great pieces of guidance. And um, I, I have, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ange Brown. I think you have done some amazing things. And I'm actually shocked that you've only been doing this for five years, what you have uh, accomplished. So any final closing thoughts from you before we wrap yeah. up? Yeah. So I was speaking with a group of um, students at UTSA a couple weeks ago uh, doing a, an alumni thing. And um, one of the things that I really want to highlight to people that are coming into the industry and, and humbly, this is not a gatekeeping statement. This is really a call to arms. Um, your journey, if you're coming into the industry right now today, your journey is going to look different than my journey. journey. You may be competing with people that are overqualified for the positions. It's how the job, job market is right now. So when I say things like find your tribe, you know, what I really mean is get in with a group of people and, you know, utilize that group of people for sure, network, do all those things, but really be interested to be around those people. Um, really spend time meeting people and making friends in this industry. You've been at DEF CON for a while, Jeffrey. You know the heart behind the people that have been OG DEF CON, right? Those people mm -hmm. really are the truest, like, non-gatekeeper people that I've met, people that have been doing DEF CON for a long time. So find ways to connect with people authentically is my big push, but definitely find ways to network all together. Put your stuff out there. Put yourself out there. The worst thing you're going to be told is no, right? But the best thing that you're going to be told is, yes, I'd love to look over your resume and then you'll get some awesome feedback about it. Um, if you need a place to come and, and join a tribe, the TCM security discord is 60,000 people large. And yes, definitely. We might tell you, did you Google that? Right. But if you come to us with a solid question and you've told, you've told us what you've done to try to fix it, the team there is is literally paid and trained to assist with that. So um, me, me to the people coming in, you know, stay, stay diligent and just stay present in your journey because this place needs you. Uh, this industry needs you. Um, I, we talk a lot about, you know, what brings people in, what drives people in. And I'm, you know, I, I think if you're coming for the money, that's okay. And that works for some people. And same thing, if you're coming in to, 
make sure that American businesses or Indian businesses or UK businesses are protected. That's great too. So, but, but make sure that you know why you're doing it as well. Um, and that really yeah. helps with longevity. So yeah. that would be my, my kind of final thoughts is like, just be present with yourself, continue with your journey, stay persistent. Um, a couple of buddies of mine have been doing this for, for a year now trying to get jobs and, you know, they're landing things because they've kept it up and they've made friends. And those are, those are the things that are getting people jobs in this industry. So, um, and then honestly, those are the things that are getting people their next job in this industry is making those connections and building those relationships. The cyber industry yep. is small. So get, get used to meeting people because it's right. And don't be, don't be a jerk because you will run across those people in many, many points in your career. I have seen, I have seen people suffer as a result of that. That's right. That's yeah. right. Don't be a jerk. It's the golden rule. Yes. Yes. I, I think that is a great rule. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, there are plenty of golden rules. And I think that should be one of them. My daughter actually has a sticker on her car that says, don't be a uh, something stronger than jerk. And everyone's like, why'd you <laughs> let her put that on? Cause that's a great sentiment in life. So, yeah. all right. Awesome, Ange. Uh, it was great to get to know you a little bit more. I am looking forward to our continuing friendship. Um, so thanks again to Ange Brown for joining us. Uh, this has been another episode of Risk and Reels. Make sure you subscribe below so you don't miss any further guests. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay secure. Wheatman out. Awesome. All Thank right. you for listening to Risk and Reels, a cybersecurity podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to riveting 30-minute conversation about movies and cybersecurity. Jeffrey will be on the road this year at some of the industry's biggest events, but you can always find him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Jeffrey Wheatman. This podcast is powered by Blackkite, the only security rating service to deliver the highest quality intelligence to help organizations make better risk decisions. 